Welcome to the Life Self Mastery Podcast, where we bring in entrepreneurs who have created online businesses and improved their lifestyles. Here's your host, Rohit Malhotra. Hi everyone, this is Rohit from Rice and Mastery here, and today I'm excited to have Pemlan Tagi, uh, who's the founder of Visme, one of the easiest and quickest way to create engaging presentations, infographics, and virtually any other type of visually engaging content. Uh, Pemlan has done his uh, bachelor's from the University of Maryland, and big thanks to Farzad Rashidi uh, for the introduction. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Rohit. Glad to be here. Awesome. So, um, so you know, uh, you. Um, uh, you you built Prisme, and before that, you know, uh, you're also built three SaaS companies. But I'm interested to know about your journey. Um, how did you get into in, in, mm-hmm. in, into this world of startups? And did you know you you, you mentioned before the show that you uh, your your, uh, your family's from Iran? But how did that influence you to become like a like an entrepreneur? Yeah, sure. So my my history kind of goes back where I was a self taught designer to pay my way through school back in college. Cause I had no money <laughs> and I, you know, come from a, you know, a middle income family and so on. And so to pay my way through school, that's essentially the started creating websites, fell in love with uh, design, although I was a biology major and kind of some learning points from there I put into um, the business uh, learnings later on um, and the follows to this day. But uh, in short, uh, my journey started as a self-taught designer, ended up, not going to graduate school, becoming sports medicine or doctor and so on, which typically in Middle Eastern families, that's what's expected of you. Um, and ended up um, creating a small web design agency, graphic design. And most of what I did was uh, at that time, this is years ago for anybody to listen in, I used to do flash websites, interactive animated sites. In those days, they were all based on a plugin called Flash. Uh, and then that's uh, the demise of that tool was as a result of the evolution of uh, the smartphone iphones coming out which no longer supported that plugin and so that affected my business very heavily uh, which was an agency of about eight to ten people we did some really cool stuff award-winning animated interactive websites um, and then nobody really wanted them anymore because they could no longer view them on um, uh, those devices so my journey um, where visme came about was uh, like there's been a you know number of other tools such as mailchimp and so on start out of agencies where you literally try to solve a problem that you have. Um, and so VizMe was actually to solve two problems. One was uh, issues and concerns that, uh, frustrations that I faced as a designer, and also what others were facing um, coming to us as customers. Um, and here's, here's what they were. Um, uh, customers coming were saying, hey, it's great that I... Okay. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I ended up a starting agency. And out of that, I faced two, basically, I noticed two different frustrations. I mean, VizMe, like some of the other tools out there, was uh, to solve a problems that I saw. Um, so MailChimp and some of the products started out of agencies. Um, and I think Hootsuite as well was the result of that. So uh, in short, um, there was two problems that I foresaw. One was one that I had um, and my colleagues had. Another one was where users had. Um, customers. Customers were coming to us saying, hey, it's great that I can hire you to design a graphical website for me, but why can I not do some of these things myself? Why is it for every single thing that looks nice, I have to hire you guys or others? Um, and the other one was me, myself, as a designer, I was always frustrated with the fact that I had to use four or five different tools um, as a designer, and each of them had a different interface in order to achieve one thing. So to create a, um, I don't know, a web page or a graphic or a website, I would see myself going from 
three or four different programs. Uh, so, uh, and I always thought that there must be a better way so that there's one application that has the same interface for you to have the same uh, different outcome, different types of content, um, and be able to, um, one input, the software and different output content. Uh, and then at the same time, it'd be easy enough that anybody can use it. So that's kind of where the journey for BizMe started initially is for ourselves as uh, designers to create content that was an alternative to Flash, that the content would work on any device, mobile device, such as now. Um, and the other was that uh, it would be where you can create content that is not just static. So anyway, in short, uh, BizMe's uh, journey um, has been in two um, parts. We uh, sit between the simple um, simple tools, presentation or design tools that are very dumbed down to get novice people in. Um, and then they have certain limitations. Uh, and then on the other side, you have the very powerful tools that are really for the top three, four or 5% top-notch designers and so on, which is what I used to use. So Vizme's uh, mission is really not to be the left or the right, we're like the, the gray between the white and black. So we're bridging the gap between the simple and powerful. So we give to non-design professionals the capability to create beautiful uh, content that can be as simple and as clean as they want it to be, that can be fully engaging, interactive, um, and without having to know any coding, without being a design professional. So that's essentially what our uh, platform is. And today it is empowering over 18 and a half million people that have that are using that platform or have used it today to create all sorts of content. Interesting. And, uh, you know, you, you, you built uh, Einstein Interactive, which, which built, you know, th three companies with me, response, uh, easy web content, you know, how do you get to decide that you want to focus on, on just building with me? Uh, what was it the traction that you're getting for with me over the other yes. companies? So it's been kind of one over the other. It's not been where I've run um, and been involved in three companies at the same time. Okay. Um, you know, hindsight was an agency, and at some point, um, it was where um, you know, it, it, hindsight kind of served as more of an incubator. At the beginning, essentially, that's what paid the bills. Um, and uh, you know, when. Vizme um, gained traction and was able to stand on its own feet and actually start to generate even more revenue than hindsight. And it was profitable. Um, I decided that this is a way to go. I was kind of getting also tired of being in the agency world. I wanted to create a platform that really had the vision that I really foresee. And I just, there's so much still that we want to accomplish. I mean, we have a great platform, but there's so many great things that is in a pipeline coming up that further differentiates and really evolves our tool to this ultimate uh, visual communication platform. Um, and so uh, uh, hindsight was a stepping stone for Vizme. And then um, it's pretty much no longer, we don't, I don't no longer run that agency and so on. It's really more in a hybrid mode. And, but as a result of it, we've also, in short, and I know you interviewed Farzad as, you know, the next step out of that <clears throat> has been that um, we, um, certain challenges, marketing challenges we have had at, at Vizme and we create another product that, um, ended up incubating out of hindsight um, that solved the problem for our online marketing challenges at Bizme. And now we roll it out and said, okay, this will be great for others, other uh, startups um, and online uh, businesses to be able to utilize to improve their marketing. So Bizme is all in one to save people time and costs and have a better outcome instead of using multiple tools or alternate tools. Um, and the other product, Respana, uh, essentially was an answer for Vizme 
who uh, to create online branding, um, be able to generate more traction on blogs and websites and get uh, be able to outreach bloggers and website owners to be able to get mentions on our uh, site. That was where instead of using four or five other tools, virtual assistants to do data entry and someone were able to bring it all under one umbrella, create this kind of AI-based um, uh, system that also um, allows you to just have at a fraction of the cost and high efficiency to be able to do the same thing that used to cost us two to three X time times the work. So everything that I like to do has to do with what can I do better than other platforms and also, um, and, or can it save time and costs that for businesses? Because essentially when you operate companies and businesses, you know, it is about the bottom line. Um, at the end of the day, you are running operation. You want to cut costs. You want to be faster. You want to be more efficient. And so the tools and platforms, both Vizme and Respond that we've created are to answer those. And if they work for us, we believe they work for others and they have. Interesting. And uh, and you mentioned that, you know, there are 18 plus million, million users. Uh, I was interested to know, you know, what was the, some of the growth strategies that you used to, uh, to scale up to those kind of numbers? Uh, and, you know, what did it take to get the first thousand, the first 10,000 users on the platform? Yeah, I'll, I'll go through the numbers a little bit. Um, zero users. <laughs> um, early, this is like in 2013 or 14 when Visme actually opened its door as very early access, very early, like it was just local here, put a focus group and we, you know, email a few uh, uh, users and so on, a couple hundred people that came in, extremely buggy tool at that time, didn't really get serious with Visme until I would say 2016 or 17 when, you know, it wasn't really focused as much on the agency. So Visme's really been about six or seven years that we've gotten, you know, full full force into it. Uh, and zero users, 25,000, you know, registered users the first year. First, it's a lot of, you know, when it comes to design tools and so on, a lot of students and educators love to use these kind of things to create content. So they're kind of word of voice and spread the word around, although they were not any type of revenue generation and still isn't, <laughs> but they're great to, you know, use tools they love to create and then mention others and show others what they do. Um, so we got a 25,000 users and a hundred thousand and 250, I think was like year two or three, and then eventually like a million. And then from there, you know, um, 2 million, 4, 8, 12, you know, I think last year was like, I don't know, 13, 14. And then at this point right now, we're about eight and a half million users. We get a lot of our users uh, through, um, we've done a great job, I think overall um, on organic search. So you can find us on various uh, specific terminologies and so on that are related to us. Uh, we've also have, um, when you create a pretty good tool, Others like to talk about it and show to others or mention others. So we have um, individuals at companies that work and anybody else ask, hey, how did you create that um, marketing report? It looks pretty good. What did you use? Did you use the XYZ tool, which everybody knows about? I'm like, nope, I use Visme. And then, you know, we get um, others. I want to use that. that. You know, they want to adopt, become team members or eventually maybe enterprise. So there is that part of the organic product-led side of it. Um, but it, it started a lot of it with organic traction <clears throat> and, uh, and, and additionally, of course, word of mouth. Today, I have an interesting stat for you to denote that the founder of Beautiful Lives increased the social media presence by 10x. They managed to publish consistently and effortlessly using a robust social media management tool called Social Pilot. Social Pilot is a cost-effective social media tool that helps businesses scale their social media marketing efforts. Use lifestylemastery.com slash social pilot to get a 14-day free trial. Interestingly, that you know, uh, Visme is still bootstrapped. You know, what 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 is the revenue model, and you know, why did you not look at raising funding? 
Um, well, let's see. I think part of it has been like having a bug where you're like, you want to see how far you can take something without having to use outside help. Uh, I was also kind of born, um, you know, into a family where you kind of very, um, cost conscious with things. And so I've never been comfortable spending other people's money. Let's just be put it that way. Um, and I feel uncomfortable, you know, taking somebody else's money and then spending it. Um, and so I felt a little bit towards that, uh, but also part of it was like the buck. The other part was that once we start to get traction, it was where, well, we're getting, we're generating revenue. And so let's just reinvest it. So each year revenue goes up and we invest more. We, you know, revenue goes up again, we invest more. So there's like a certain margin. Uh, we are profitable. We have been for a while. Um, and, uh, you know, the revenue goes up, the margin starts to go up. Okay, let's get it down to a comfortable level that we, we um, have a good balance sheet and we have a good cash flow and so on for rainy days or, to, you know, but we keep reinvesting that. Um, and it's worked for us. It's not been, however, and my intention wasn't to immediately create the biggest online communication or presentation platform right off the bat. That's just not how my mind worked. I had more of a long-term plan is that, Hey, this is going to be a 10 year journey. This is going to be a 15 year journey. Um, and yeah, I mean, look, it is tempting. Um, there isn't a day or week that goes by that there is an interest coming in, um, from investors and PEs and, and, um, so on. But, um, uh, so far we've held back and, um, just a lot of, uh, great partners and so on. I have communication with, so when the right time comes, when we feel it's the right time, we surely may consider it. Um, but that's, that's how we've done it. And the other part is that I think a lot of people think that that's the only way I think, especially these days, it's almost disappointing to be honest with you with the new generation where the first thing they think about, let's go raise money, you know, and, and I, I just, I find that, um, and I don't mean it's in a negative way, but this is me coming from, maybe you may call it old school. Maybe people would say, well, that's how it was not. It's just, you. there is another way to do it. You don't have to right away think about, let's go raise funds and then we'll build a product. Like, you know, it doesn't cost much to build a product as a yeah. SaaS company. If you're, you're building a biotech, a pharmaceutical company, you got to get FDA approval. It's cost a hundred million dollars, you know, to go through an FDA approval process and so on. Those are expensive. You're creating a car. You're going to need investment. You're going to, you know, a rocket products that have, you know, tangibly on your hands, they cost money to manufacture and so on. But when you're creating code, it doesn't cost anything other than whether you're the coder or you hire others to, to help you with and so on. You can do a lot in with little, and then you get to prove and see if it works and you make decisions from there. Um, you know, but I think what happens is a lot of people think that you, they want to be the next Facebook and it's sexy. They want to be the next Uber. They want to be the next that. And reality is that, you know, it is unicorn status that lasts. Unicorns are that last. You reach unicorn and you're still around two, three years later. A lot yeah. of companies have reached unicorn status. Where are they right now in the last year? But you actually have a lasting company that and continues to grow and so on. Um, it's very, very rare. So when I look at it, it was like, well, um, let's put a lot of money and let's just, you know, dilute ourselves heavily and then take a huge risk and become number one. Mm. And I honestly think that because I took a lot of time to figure some things out as well, I may have run into the ground. I don't think then four or five, five, six years ago, I don't know what the heck I was doing. I came from an agency to running a SaaS and so on now have a very good idea of how to do things, still figuring some things out. We have a much clearer idea, roadmap. Um, anyway, so that's how I think I just, you know, believe for those listening in that you're at the very beginning and you want to create that next startup and so on. You don't have to immediately think of raising, focus on your product, focus on the solution. 
and then get it to a certain stage that you could get better valuations if you decide to go later on, less dilution and so on. So that, that's kind of my thought process, but others may disagree. That's where we are right now. Interesting. And, uh, you know, I, I was telling Fasad that uh, uh, I did my B-School and Betsy and Invisme uh, 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 were very, very popular. Uh, but how is your product different from Canva and, and Adobe and, you know, other other uh, products? Uh, how do you, do you look at it? Very good. Yeah. We are very similar, but we're also different. Uh, this is probably, in, in terms of marketing and product differentiation, I think that is the biggest challenge that we have. If you were to say, what is your biggest challenge from a marketing perspective? I think it is product differentiation, hmm. where um, we are different, but people don't realize it. And I'll, I'll go into that a little bit more. You know, from an internal perspective, what are some of the challenges you have as a as a startup and you know how to bootstrap operation and so on? Uh, hiring great people, we have some really good people here. Finding the next hire a great person and so on, it's not easy to find really really good people that you say well, I would love to have this person stay for a long time. And thankfully, we've gotten pretty good at hiring some great people here and so on. I think that's a challenge in terms of any company that has that. Um, but from a marketing standpoint, I think the biggest challenge that we've ever had is we constantly are compared to some more, uh, some better known, well-known tools out there. We didn't have the luxury of multi-million dollar per year, you know, or month uh, marketing campaigns. Um, and so we're not as well known. So here's what uh, makes us different. We are very similar to what you can do with both, both of those tools. But if you put one on the left, that's the easier one to use. And you put the other one on the right, which is you know really meant for the top professionals and so on. We sit between the two. We are bridging a gap between the two. So we are the platform that allows you to, as a non-design professional with no coding experience, to create beautiful content that can be static or fully interactive. You can create the ordinary, you can create the extraordinary. You decide your imagination how far you want to go. The other part that's different about us is we're very business focused. Um, business focuses in our templates, our assets, our content is much more geared towards um, uh, professional uh, professionals as in working professionals from all walks of life and brands. So we're very focused on that. We have an amazing brand wizard. You go in, literally put your website URL and boom, you get branded content right there on the fly. And then you have full capacity to customize. We have our templates across all sorts of roles and industries that you can tap into. And uh, additionally, you get in the tool on the very beginning. What I usually tell people that I'm talking to say, hey, how are you different? And my statement is, I want you to go register, create a free account and spend no less than 50, just spend 15 to 20 minutes, but not less than 15. Because the first five, 10 minutes or so, hey, it's like any other design platform or presentation. But then there's all these Easter eggs, our assets and our unique interactive features and so on that you can tap into without any uh, professional experience. And that's where it starts to open up. And what the outcome is, is that, okay, uh, there isn't 10,000 other people using the same exact template because they're not as well known or they have 18 million users, it's not 200 million. Um, at the same time, um, it stands over the crowd because I can make it my own. I can make it something that is specific to my needs. Um, so that's kind of what really makes us uh, different um, and uh, special. So if you're used to using the other platforms, you're not gonna feel alienated coming to VizMe and it's like a completely different experience. We made that, we had done an assurance is that there is a standard where design tools work, drag and drop, move objects around. It's very standard across most platforms, right? But then you work things in between that you get to settings, advanced settings. You could drop, as an example, you're creating a short video for let's say social media or a presentation. 
We have um, 3D assets, accent elements. You can drag and drop into your stage and just change the color of that object and just put in a corner of your slide. It makes the whole slide looks nice. It could be a white blank slide, but that element is so nicely done. You have complete control over granular control by changing the color. Or you can actually tap into these animated objects. You just drag and drop. You could drop a little character that's a male or a female. You can change a skin color to be dark or tan or white. You can change the color of the shirt to be your brand color. And it's literally dragging and drop. No other tool goes that deep as we are um, in that in that aspect. Uh, no, I think I think that's super super interesting and uh, interesting thing you mentioned that you know it's always difficult to find great employees. But uh, you know, in your view, how do you how do you define you know high performance in in business and and leadership uh, teams? What what would it mean for you? Um, are you referring to hiring individuals in our teams that are high performing individuals employees? Yeah, I mean, uh, especially for your for for your C suite and for your uh, leadership team, what, what, how would you define you know high performance? I, okay, so I think um, a self starter is very important. Yeah. Being able to think outside the box is is important. Um, one of the big things. This is not a um, this is not a work. Uh, it's, it's not a work ethic. This is a personality ethic. Being humbled and grounded. Being open to constructive feedback. Admitting, I was I've been guilty on this myself. I thought I knew everything you know, until five, six years ago. And you, you find out you're, you're wrong so many times you fall down and you get up. You're like, I don't know. I don't know much. And so when you admit that uh, you open up and you're able to be like a sponge and, and absorb a lot of information. So people that come in and they're very grounded. They're like, it's not about what idea that I came. It's about, I contribute uh, to the team. And also they're open, not to just, uh, you know, their own ideas, but others uh, that come as well. So I think that's very important. I think there's a couple of things. We have this thing called, I think, eight commandments. When you, you know, when you become a, um, you know, a worker at Vizmia, a Vizmia, as we call it, you become a part of a team. An onboarding document has this thing about like the eight commandments of, you know, being a part of Vizmi. Um, and uh, there's a few of them. And one of them, again, is be grounded. Um, you know, another one is if there is a problem or issue, talk about it before it becomes bigger. Um, and another one is listen to, you know, constructive feedback. And, uh, so there's a few of those, um, and, uh, those are, uh, I think has uh, helped us to create, um, some, some great team members. In fact, another thing we have when we're hiring people is if you were to put in front of me three, um, two individuals, one of them is, let's say it's a designer. Let's just say it's a graphic designer. And that person is the top design that you could find amazing, beautiful work, fantastic work, but they seem a little cocky. Like, you know, he or she is, I know what I'm doing. I've been doing this for a while. Let me do my own. And they have this kind of a thing where they figure it out because they've been doing so long. And you put on the right, another person um, that is good designer and is not as well as the other person. You still have to have a foundation. We don't hire people that have no experience, but seems grounded and very open to feedback and so on. That is the person we're going to hire because we know that that person is going to grow and evolve over a short period of time. And um, they're, you know, they're limitless as far as where and how far they can go in the company. But the other person is probably going to be a short term uh, here. Mm. Interesting. And, uh, you know, uh, how, how do you, especially when, you, when you're working in a startup and, you know, we, we, we work in a hybrid environment at a time, uh, how do you make sure that everyone feels safe and, and you know, uh, they can, you, you can create an environment where you can, uh, you can debate with your, with your boss and share, you know, uh, sure. Well, um, based on the same principle is that whether you are a manager or 
um, an, an individual that's working on their manager leadership that you that it's a two way street that you're not afraid to provide feedback and you're also not afraid to get it back. Um, and, uh, you know, that, that's very important. Another one is we like to hire people that are just nice. Like they're good, great people. Nice doesn't mean like they're anything you tell them they're going to do. Uh, no, when they really feel strongly about something, they're going to raise their hand and say, I really feel this is a better approach to do it, but they're just, you know, all around nice ground of people. Um, and those are essentially most of the team members that we have here. It, it's We've got individuals here that a sister came in and brought her other sister and been here for a while. A individual came in and worked from a, a regular role to a director role um, and has brought brothers, both brothers in and wife to do some work and so on because they, you know, they just love to be a part of this team and so on. Um, so that I think kind of tells us that we have, we're doing something right. There's a lot of room for improvement, certainly, but that we have this environment that people feel safe, they feel comfortable. Um, if they need to, they can come talk to me anytime. It's not like, you know, don't talk to me. I'm the founder of the company. It's a two-way street. Um, yeah. So that's kind of the formula. Now, at some point, I mean, the thing is that we're about a hundred people, 90 something people right now. Uh, and it is getting to a point where there's only so much, you know, as a founder, there's so many places you can be at once. Um, but however, the doors are open. Uh, if there is an issue, there's something um, I, I could be reached out. I'm not closed off to some separate Slack channel and nobody can reach me. Uh, and so we're pretty transparent about that. Mailman is an email assistant that shields you from unimportant emails, minimizing interruptions, and making your days calmer and more productive. You can visit mailmanhq.com and use the code LSM, uh, which gives you the benefit of 15% off for the first year on the annual plan, uh, which already has 20% discounted compared to the monthly plan. So you can visit mailmanhq.com and use the code LSM. What do you understand, you know, especially when you, when you work in startups, uh, how important is, uh, you know, velocity and speed of execution? And, and, and would you trade speed for quality? Uh, I honestly would say both. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it's both. I mean, speed, uh, look, we... <clears throat> move like we have bi-weekly rollouts if you go to our site and there's a what's new um area on a footer it's like what's new and you can see like every two weeks we're rolling out improvements features refinements and so on so we move fairly fast but it's not too fast where it's just a mess but i will say this though um we're not going to sometimes spend we're going to get something to about 90 95 quality <clears throat> and not maybe 100 percent um, because we want to move at a certain pace and need a certain balance of it, but we're also not going to move so fast where it's 50% quality, um, <clears throat> sorry, and, and 50% um, uh, speed sacrifice for it. So there's a balance between the both. Um, I, I believe it's both. Qual however, though, quality, I think, supersedes uh, speed for us as long as the quality is not drastically slowing down the pace. Mm, okay, okay. And and how do, how do you approach you know prioritization? What what is the framework that you use to decide you know what to focus on? Uh, you know when it comes to a different uh, business function? product first. Yeah, so we are product first. Product is is the number one thing. Most of our resource and expense and everything is really towards product. We have an amazing engineering team and UI team, UX team, and so on. Um, one of the challenges we have is that our platform does many different things. You use it to create a document. 
um, presentation, infographic, chart, graph, data visualization. You can connect to live data and pull live data. And there's so many things, create short videos. So there's so many things it does and people from all walks of life use it. So what a, let's say a student or a teacher comes use their platform, their outtake as far as what they like to accomplish might be different than someone that is a marketing manager or an HR manager uh, or an executive at a company when they're looking to create a certain slide deck or a presentation or document. So we have to, of course, establish that what is our ICP ideal customers and what is their pain points. But even when we do that and we say, okay, they're non-design professionals, um, they're from all walks of um, the various sizes companies, various size companies and various size roles. So we still have to find a common denominator for them as well. That's probably a huge challenge for us in terms of product. And yet um, make sure that you push back on a lot of stuff people ask, because um, if we were to do everything that everybody's asked for, <laughs> the product would be sitting on the right side, which is a very powerful, hard to use you know, uh, tool. So uh, it's based on demand, how many users are asking for it, what type of users are asking for it, how big of a deal is, I mean, and the other one is intuition, you know, over the years we've learned is that what should be prioritized, what makes sense to do more than that. One of the things we actually don't do, and maybe this has cost us in some ways revenue and so on, but uh, you know, we've done it is where we don't go down to ground level and say, which feature is generating like the most profit for us. You know, we look at it more of a long-term perspective. Is this going to get us to like point B long-term versus like immediately tomorrow generating a lot of revenue? Got it. And 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 how do you look at uh, uh you know uh, uh, delegation, effective delegation? Uh, how uh, what advice you give to listeners? You know, looking to uh, delegate uh, and make sure that you know they they can do only things which they are good at and delegate all the other work. Um, as negative this may sound, uh, I'm probably not the absolute best person um uh, to answer that. And here's why. I, I, I'll answer it proper way. And also the, I struggle myself with delegation um, when it comes to product a lot. And uh, it's not where I'm involved in every single detail of the product over the years, I'm less, but I'm very heavily involved. I spend almost half of my time on product related things. Um, and so, um, you know, that part for me personally has been, if you were to say, Hey, what is a challenge that you have personally is, um, delegating more and more of the product, because I sit very close to the problem, I'm a product person, essentially. Um, however, with that said, um, you know, when you determine certain individuals, leads, managers, and so on are really good at certain things, then you know that you can easily delegate that to them and they're going to take care of it. Um, so I think that's something that I think is very, which again, comes back to hiring really good people that you can fully have faith and trust in. Um, and I think the other one is that sometimes you just have to step a little bit back and know that if you have good people and they're going to figure it out. Um, so I think it's a, for me, it's been a learning process, you know, um, and that would be my feedback. It's not probably the best thing you're looking for, but it's because I, I faced that challenge myself, kind of much better at it, but it, it's a work in progress. Got it. And, um, I, I wanted to understand, you know, how, how do you, how, how does your team structure internal debates, especially, uh, you know, when it comes to, uh, sales and, and product teams versus customer success teams, they may, may not uh, really, uh, agree to each other points, but uh, hmm. how do you uh, how do you, how do you manage that? And who says? Yeah, let's break it down. So um, first, we didn't have a sales team until a year ago. We just uh -huh. started doing sales, like you know. Uh, so we've been all product led, but then we had enterprises, big companies, you know, that have come to us and have said, "We love your program. We want to use it, and we want to adopt it." And so it made sense that we we have a fairly small sales team, you know, less than ten, but uh, it's pretty good, effective for us. <clears throat> um, they come up all the time with things that enterprises want. 
And what enterprises want is not what most other people that are not at an enterprise level company would want. So we have a big challenge of certain things that remain enterprise-based features that are only based in that. And some things make sense that others um, on the lower end plans should have as well. Uh, so that's one of the things that kind of we entail, uh, where there is this constant, I don't want to say battle. There's this constant, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, push and pull between the product team that's focused on non-design professionals, single users to like smaller teams. And then there's enterprises who are demanding and they need certain things to work a certain way. So we've had to kind of, um, tread the waters of find what the formula that works, um, to be able to achieve, you know, both, both of those, um, across different teams, marketing is in com- close communication with sales and vice versa. You know, um, par- somebody in product can go right to the project manager and engineering team and find out what's been worked on. We have open channels that you know what the roadmap is coming up for the next couple of weeks, a month or two. So we keep a certain level of transparency um, unless too much information can really bog things down. And so we, we pull a little bit to not get into too much details, um, but enough where the you know, teams can function and they can go seek that information if they need more. <laughs> Got it. And um, I quickly want to do the top three. What's your favorite business book? Um, business book? Yeah. Well, let's see. I honestly read a lot of blogs and a lot of online material. And then I do actual like books, books these days. So uh, I, you know, read them. Um, TechCrunch, I follow very specific people on uh, Twitter. I, I observe a lot of great information and short pieces. And then if I learn something, I go dig deeper into that. I found that that works great for me. I'm able to absorb a lot of information. I'll, I'll raise my hand and say there is some really good content when you get, uh, you know, find the right people to follow and so on on TikTok, short videos, and then you find that person and you go and seek their content on um, uh, YouTube and so on. So I, I read a lot more online articles and posts and, and videos than I do books these days. Mm, got it, got it. And again, if you could go back in time when you start building with me, uh, what is the one thing you would have focused on or done anything differently? I would have done a lot of things differently, <laughs> um, but also I would have done. So I, uh, what I would have done differently was I wouldn't have opened it up as early to the masses would have focused a little bit more with a smaller group of people on the product versus open and saying, Hey, um, you know, in beta and everybody come use it. Um, that's one thing I would have changed. Um, I think that would have helped to create a stronger knit community early on that have this exclusive access to be able to get feedback and so on. So I think that's a big, big mistake that I would have uh, would have made. Um, another one. Oh, interesting. And, uh, uh, yeah. What's your favorite online tool? Anything other than Visme? Um, <laughs> Visme and Respona would be two in terms of content and marketing. But again, that's going to, you know, I, that comes across as promotional, but other right. uh, other tools. Um, I- yeah, if, if you could go back in time when you uh, started uh, building with him, what is the one thing you would have focused on or done anything differently? Um, would have um, not opened up Visme to others uh, early on, would have uh, kept it closer with a smaller niche community, uh, community for a while. Um, and uh, we, we, I think we opened up a little bit too early and open up to everyone as a beta. We would have remained in beta and exclusive access for some time. Okay, uh, got it. And, and what's your favorite online tool, for example, Gmail, Slack, no? Uh, yeah, so online tool, let's see. Uh, other than Visme and Respona, which may come promotional, but that is what my team uses day and night. 
Uh, on the other hand, though, I stay very close to, I spend a lot of time in Google Docs and Google Sheets. Like when it comes to long form documents, a lot of content, Google Sheets, Google Docs, those are two things that I use a lot. Slack, of course, uh, we run our, we have a fairly remote team. So we spend a lot of time on Slack. I, it's not really my favorite. It's not really my favorite tool because I think uh, there's way too much time spent on it. So I wouldn't almost even call it productivity tool. I'll call it more of a communication tool, but it's absolutely yeah. necessary. Yeah, no, absolutely. I totally agree. And uh, uh, Payman, what, what, what is the best way people can reach out to you and know more about Visme? Uh, yeah, so um, reaching out to me, best way to find me is on LinkedIn. You know, just put my name, Payman Tai. You're not going to find anyone else with the same name. So you should get one result. That would be me. Yeah. Um, and you can connect with me and message me there. Uh, and also as far as Visme is, again, it's a free platform. Everybody can get in free. You go to visme.com, V-I-S-M-E.com or .co. Either way, you end up in the same place. Um, I challenge you to go spend 15 minutes on it or more. Uh, and then I think you can see for yourself how this platform can solve a lot of visual communication or presenting, uh, branding awareness problems, uh, challenges, and so on better than some of the other platforms you might be already using. And of course, I will also drop a little discount code here. So LIFE, L-I-F-E 23, uh, we'll create that exclusively for you guys. Uh, so uh, you can get 15% off any of our premium plans, uh, monthly or annual using that code exclusive for your podcast. Uh, no, I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. We'll put that uh, in the show notes. Uh, thank you so much for taking our time and to speaking uh, to us. Really enjoyed my conversation with you. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Enjoyed it too. Thanks for listening to the Life Self Mastery Podcast, where we teach you how to start and grow your online business. For more information, visit Rohit's blog at www.lifeselfmastery.com.